church. Welcome. Um, we're going to encourage you to uh, find a seat up here at one of the tables, especially one of the tables that has a number. Uh, so if you're sitting in the back, come on forward at this time. But let's all stand. Worship the Lord.
Satan fall like lightning. I saw darkness run for cover. But the miracle that I just can't get over, my name is registered in heaven. I believe in signs and wonders. I have resurrection power. Still the miracle that I just can't get over My name is registered in heaven Yes, my praise belongs to you forever This is my testimony from death to life Cause grace rewrote my story I'll testify by Jesus Christ the righteous I'm justified. This is my testimony. This is my testimony. So come together, sons and daughters. Come together, sons and daughters. Bought with blood and washed in water. Sing the praises of the Spirit, Son, and Father. Our God will finish what He started. Yeah, our God will finish what He started. This is my testimony from death to life. This grace rewrote my story. I'll testify by Jesus Christ the righteous. I'm justified. This is my testimony. This is my testimony. If I'm not dead, you're not done. Greater things are still to come. Oh, I believe if I'm not dead, you're not done. Greater things are still to come. Oh, I believe if I'm not dead, you're not done. Greater things are still to come. Oh, I believe if I'm not dead, you're not done. Greater things are still to come. This is my testimony from death to life Cause grace rewrote my story I'll testify by Jesus Christ the righteous I'm justified This is my testimony Oh, I'm alive 
tonight we've we've come to worship you we've come to praise you and lord we've also come to receive lord from you and so uh, lord just uh, be in our midst tonight and uh, lord as we just sing these last few songs together um, lord may you be touched may you be moved and and lord may you just draw us closer to yourself in jesus name Correction, oh 
Well, good evening. Let's pray. Father, we are uh, grateful to gather together uh, each time with the, the freedom and the liberty and the choice that we have to drive onto a property like this that has been um, built as a, um, as a sanctuary. Uh, we are, um, because of your grace and by um, the vision that you've given us, we've been allowed to, um, week after week, um, gather in many different settings, and that for the, with, with the ultimate purpose of uh, putting our focus on you, um, our desires to encounter you, and um, to, to, to leave these settings absolutely not the same. And we pray that as uh, our desire is that you would minister to us, that Holy Spirit, you would speak to us uh, by your word. Um, we pray that we would minister to you as well with our openness and our attentiveness. <clears throat> we pray, Lord, for um, any online as well that would be tuning in tonight as we're going to 
um, gather around your words, specifically the closing part of the book of Acts, and just um, discuss what we've been learning um, here on Sunday mornings. We pray that you'd be at the center of these um, conversations. And anyone here or um, online as well that don't don't know you, they haven't given their life to you, we pray tonight would be um, that night. And so, um, yeah, just bless this night, and we give you glory and, and just honor, and we thank you for everything you're going to do in our hearts tonight, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, why don't you take like four minutes and walk around the room, say hi to someone, and then you people that are not at tables, come up front and fill up these tables. That would be helpful. Hey, Calvary La Habra. We will be hosting a holiday warehouse sale for men, women, and children in our parking lot Thursday and Friday, November 3rd and 4th from 8.30 a.m. to 6 p.m. and Saturday, November 5th from 8.30 a.m. to 2 p.m. It's a great chance to do some early Christmas shopping, so come check it out. Signups are now open for our upcoming baptism on Wednesday, November 16th. You can sign up online or on our church app. You look troubled. I am. You're losing something. I know what that's like. What are you losing? Time. I say to you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Someone touched me. If you are really the one who is to come, should we look for someone else? Go and tell John what you hear and see. Who is it? Where did we stop? It's him. I'm Judas of Keriot. I have chosen you 12 as my apostles. Don't feel any different? I don't need you to feel anything to do great things. What is stirring in your hearts? In the middle of such division and unrest? Is Father God being revealed to you? Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. A scourge of false prophecy must stop. Jesus, if you do not renounce your words, we will have no choice but to follow the law of Moses. I am the law of Moses. The hair for Jesus of Nazareth. Lord, 
valuable than gold, more precious than rubies. Force them out. We are still Rome. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. I'm the one who caused their hunger. I should be the one to feed them. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. We will be viewing the season three premiere of The Chosen at Regal Theater in La Habra. This event will take place Monday evening, November 21st at 7, 10 p.m. You can scan this QR code and purchase your tickets now. We'll see you there. All right. Now, who remembers what QR code is for? What does QR mean? That wasn't a quick response. Come on. <laughs> All right. Um, this weekend, we have the Harvest Crusade, yeah? All right. So hopefully, you're inviting people, and uh, you'll be showing up uh, as well. And uh, I think with that, we're going to get right into our uh, reason we are here tonight. If you have a Bible, turn it over to Acts chapter 27, and um, you know, over the years we have uh, really cultivated, I believe, within our body, at least the Wednesday night crowd, um, good dialogue. Uh, we learn a lot here uh, on Sunday mornings. We go through a lot of scripture. We give you guys a lot of cross-reference, a lot of application. Um, I became a note taker years ago. I've even uh, walked through over the years like what I've done to just sit down in a study on a regular basis and, and take some notes and, and to bring application to my life so I can repeat the things I've learned and share that with other or others or practice um, those things as well. So um, I think it's important that we do this. I've said many times too that um, it's a quote. It's not my quote. It is a quote that uh, repetition is the mother of all learning. And so uh, how many of you guys learn things and just hear it a few more times, right? And it kind of sticks. I'm that way as well. So the, uh, the latter part of the book of Acts focuses on a very interesting part of Paul's life. Paul's third missionary journey concludes in chapter 21. At the same time in chapter 21, he is back celebrating the amazing things that God did as he was gone over that, that last journey, sharing the gospel around the Roman Empire and planting churches. His excitement for returning to Jerusalem was, was twofold. Number one, he wanted uh, to bring back an offering to um, the needy people in Jerusalem. They had been in the area of Judea and Jerusalem, part of that. Um, they had been dealing with a famine. There was a, a great need. And so Paul was excited to bring back an offering that he had collected from Gentile churches. And he knew that that would be a, a great bridge maybe into the heart of a lot of the Jews in Jerusalem. That there's, these Jewish converts um, are thinking about you and they are, they are wanting to bless you. 
So he was excited to get back and share that offering. Secondly, he was excited to share with the, the leaders in the church the amazing things that God had done. And he did so. And they, they glorified God and all of that. But what would follow would be two years, chapter 21, about halfway through, all the way to the end of chapter 28, two years of his life, where when we began that, I said, we're going to read what has been going on, or what is about to go on, and we're going to scratch our heads and go, man, that's not fair. And then we're going to turn another page and go, wow, look what's happening with Paul right now. That's not fair. And we're going to do that all the way through to the very close of the book. And if we didn't bring God and God's plan into the equation, which those chapters do, we would be left with that statement. Wow, that's just not fair. He's a man of God. He's following the call of God. I can't believe all of these challenging things, all this opposition, the shipwrecks and the, the stoning and all of that even along the way that he had been enduring that's not fair. But we said, we're going to back up and we're going to bring God's plan for Paul into the equation. And we're going to conclude and we're going to highlight some things and conclude that it just begins to make sense. And we began to see over and over God reach people in very unique ways. God putting Paul the Apostle on platforms where he would be able to reach the, the Supreme Court of Judaism. He would be able to reach some of the highest ranking officials in Rome. Governors, Festus, Felix. One of the highest commanding officers that was overseeing the regiment, the soldiers that would monitor and, and, and make sure that the Temple Mount, well, it, it ran calmly. Paul would find himself ministering over and over and over on platforms and in settings he would have never chose. But God chose them, and God used him. When we came to chapter 27, Paul, at that particular time, had... By that particular time, he had been under, basically in Roman custody, beginning there in Caesarea by the sea. He had been in Roman custody for two years. After meeting with the Sanhedrin, after meeting with two governors, Felix then Festus, he would eventually appeal to Caesar. He was accused of insurrection. He was accused of being the leader of this sect that the Jews hated. And just as the Jews wanted to put Jesus Christ away, they wanted to put his followers away. And they wanted to put the head dude, Paul the Apostle, away. And just as we look at the trial of Jesus, innocent, they had to make up charges. There were no accurate witnesses or facts of anything worthy of capital punishment. Same was true with Paul the Apostle. But nonetheless, Paul was just left in prison. He appealed as a Roman citizen to Caesar. That appeal was heard, it was granted, and he began his journey in chapter 27. As we began to follow that voyage from Caesarea to where he would want to end up, which would be Rome, 
we would find him on a ship, and we would follow that course for about 14 days. And you remember the story. As they began to set sail, they hit some very challenging weather. And the, the, the first ship that he was on found some shelter behind the Isle of Crete. And it was at that time that Paul, one of many prisoners, was given a platform. One of many prisoners was given a platform, and he spoke up. And he gave warning. And the captain and part of the crew and others did not heed that warning. They decided to continue on, not knowing that they would find themselves in a more severe storm. We would look at it as a typhoon. And for 14 days, that ship was just pummeled. They would be 500 miles off course. The storm was so severe that they wouldn't be able to, to see the sun, couldn't see it during the day. The stars of the moon couldn't see it by night. There was no way to even navigate through the storm. Everyone on that ship was convinced that they were going to lose their life. And we spent two Sundays, one looking at chapter 27, the next looking at chapter 28. And what we highlighted as we walked through those chapters was the character of a godly leader. And so what we've done tonight is I've just put together a few notes on, on both of those chapters, and I've, I've presented a few questions relating to the things that, related to the things that we have studied. Um, you have a host prayerfully at, at each of the tables. If you don't, someone be a host. And uh, we have a set of notes. If you don't have a set of notes, you raise your hand. We'll make sure you get a set of notes. And um, I would just encourage you, if you don't know everybody, introduce yourselves and um, just go through the questions that are asked there. And one of the things we want to get to is application. It isn't just, wow, look at what God, Paul, God did with the life of Paul the Apostle. I would encourage you to get to the point where you would say, okay, how does this relate to our lives? And if you can get there and you can learn to apply the Word of God to your life, now you're doing what Jesus said to do at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. You're beginning to learn to, like, live these things. It's not just that you would know these things, but that you would apply these things and live them out. And so we've got to see the application. And sometimes we've got to humble ourselves uh, when it comes to applying God's Word to our lives. Amen? Is it just me? Or Yes, all of us. Okay. All right. Well, let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll get started. Again, Father, we thank you for... Um, the opportunity that we have to, to gather around your word. And, and man, I just pray that all the walls would come down. And even as we'll be here on the stage talking to the live, uh, the on-stream, uh, online audience, um, we pray that their hearts would be open as well and that, Holy Spirit, you just work around tables tonight. And um, that y you know what we need to hear. You know what we need to embrace and may that happen. To your glory, we pray these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, God bless you. Have fun. Okay, for our live online audience, hang in there. We're going to uh, get a couple of guys up here with me right now and start a conversation with you. So if you are, have not grabbed a Bible... Um, I would encourage you to grab a Bible and, and turn to Acts chapter 27. 
and we will begin our discussion. And while you're doing that, I'm going to introduce two of my, um, I was going to call you my best friends, but you know, I, I have Jesus and Lori, and so you're out. You're really good friends. Two, 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 of my, <laughs> two of my good friends. We joke a lot. We have a lot of uh, fun around here as the body of Christ. But um, to my left is Trevor Davidson, and to my right is Steve Bush. Trevor, why don't you introduce yourself and kind of how long you've been coming around here yeah. and how you came and married one of our women and all that fun stuff. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I've been um, here at Calvary Lauer for about... Maybe about five years. Um, I started. I started coming here when I was serious about my my now wife. Um, and so uh, we have um, we have two daughters. We have twin twin daughters, about a year and a half. And um, yeah, Calvary La Habra has been an awesome home for us. And so we just we just love it. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> Well, I, can I tell a story? Yeah. What? what oh, well, I, yeah. You, you, tell a story. Well, you just Trevor was. Uh, were you coaching a team? I was coaching. Yes, coaching I was, a baseball team. I was a head coach for um, a collegiate baseball team, Providence Christian. That's right. And um, two of the ladies that that go here, um, I was coaching one of her her sons, and she she you know they kind of set me up so. They said, "Hey, what do you, <laughs> what do true. you, what do you think of this, uh, this, this girl? Do you think she's pretty?" And I said, "Oh, of course." And so that was how it all kind of started. Was we, yes, um, kind of a blind date. Yes. So we had fun. When we first met him. He came yeah. here and we gave him the little fun shakedown. Put a little pressure on him. It was great. First day I was here was an Acts two forty two, and we split up male and female. Wow. So it was like, "Hey, man, I come here with my, you know, my my girlfriend at the time," and then I'm like. Apart, so. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Ah, that was by design. <laughs> Love it. It was fun. And Steve, you and Allie and the family, how long? Yeah, Allie and I have been married for 20 years. Uh, we dated for about five years before that, which she constantly reminds me that was like four years too long. Um, yes, we've got that. four kids, um, ranging from 18 down to 11, three boys and a girl. And we've been here for about two years, a little over two years. We, came, we actually came here during COVID because the church that we were at previously had, had shut down. Oh, yeah, COVID. <laughs> I think it's when you get a cold now. That's right, yeah. That thing. Um, but yeah, we came here during COVID because, as, as you know, you guys never shut down, and we wanted to come and worship in person. And so uh, it's been a tremendous blessing being here and meeting everybody, and so just honored to be here tonight. Yeah. Well, I'm uh, privileged to have you guys uh, share with our online audience tonight. And so why don't we get right into it? You've both been here. Uh, I, I've actually really enjoyed, I've taught the book of Acts, I believe, once in Bible college, um, if I really even understood what it was all about, and I just kind of went through information. Um, I taught it to our, our surf shop group one time, and I just kind of ran through it. And then I, I've taught our, our Sunday morning uh, church, I think, two times. This is the second, like, full time through it, and uh, I think I finally started to connect a few dots. Uh, this, this particular time. Uh, we started in March, uh, I think I said this, of 2021. And um, here we are, a little bit over a year, I guess. Uh, we've, been, we've been trotting through it and focusing really on just the, the Holy Spirit and the work that uh, He is, has done, modeled through the book of Acts, through, uh, through individuals just like us. 
And um, it's the story of the birth uh, of the church and the one who birthed it said he would build it. And so we're following how he built his church and we're trying to line up with everything that we see in the book of Acts because that's what he, he built. So the latter part, as we uh, talked about a few minutes ago, um, does focus on Paul um, and the latter two years of his life. Some would even call it his, his fourth missionary journey. And um, I don't know if he would. <laughs> go, nah, that, that wasn't, a, I'm not going to put that up there with the missionary journeys, but um, there was a lot to glean from, and I know you guys have, have dug in and, and have some things to share. So Trevor, why don't you uh, start and just um, share with our online audience maybe something that, that stands out to you. I'm with I'm with you on on Acts hit me different this time. Um, looking through just how Paul um, really answered the call of God, um, we think about him living in really living in darkness, not knowing and persecuting the church, to being really struck, struck by Jesus on the road to Damascus and his him seeing the light. Um, I was kind of thinking like, man, that guy would be so silly to turn away from Jesus after seeing him. And um, as a believer, man, we do that so many times. We just, we do just, we stray. And so as we were going through Acts, I, I just kept getting hit like, man, I think back at the times where I, oh, I missed that. I missed that. And it's so fun and encouraging to see Paul um, he just be be steadfast, and no doubt, um, no doubt hit roadblocks. No doubt have um, just hurts as he was a persecutor and a and a killer of Christians prior. But um, really, in this in this latter part, just continually rolling. And I think the the one verse that hit me this is back in twenty two Acts twenty two um, fourteen it says, um, the God of our fathers has chosen you that you should know his will and see the just one and hear the voice of his mouth for you will be his witness to all men of what you have seen and heard and as we kind of close out acts that's really that's really what paul did is he 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 saw he heard and he continued and man i just hope to take a little bit of that that courage that he had and uh, do that hmm. so amen yeah yeah it, it really does challenge us to understand what a call from God is yeah. and uh, maybe in the general sense for and who did God call in the scriptures and what can I glean from them and who who kind of inserted themselves maybe into wanting to do something big and grand um, and it's, it's, it's obvious that uh, if you go back to chapter 9, there was such a radical conversion. It's, 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 without, it's without, you can't deny the fact that this, this guy was on his own set course, absolutely um, uh, educated and well-advanced in um, Judaism. Um, and if we read through Philippians, and we read about his pedigree, his personal view of his accomplishments, you're like, he was at the top of the class. And he realized that, and um, you know the, the 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 conversion for Paul alone was radical. I think he, 
you read through his epistles and you go, man, he never stops. He never loses sight of, of what happened and, and, and just ever so grateful for what happened. But the impact on, on Judaism, on all of those people that knew him and, and observed him, he was a very high-ranking, visible leader within Judaism. It had a, a radical impact on, on them. And then thirdly, on the church, because he was persecuting the church. And the next thing you know, he's, he's like, hey, I'm one of you guys. And it took, it took some work of the Holy Spirit in um, raising up the Barnabases and, and others to really um, allow Paul to be part of the fold. So, Steve, what stands out to you? Well, I, I'm actually fascinated when you, when you think about this from a logistics standpoint, right? It's hard enough nowadays with all the tools that you have, that the church has. You've got the internet and social media. And you, you, got, you got all these tools that you can work with. But can you, can you imagine Paul being called? And, and not only do we not have all of those tools, you don't even have a New Testament written yet. In fact, Paul's writing it. Absolutely. Paul's writing portions of it. And you're telling me that you want me as Paul, God, you've called me to try to spread your word in the opposition to people that don't want to hear it. The Jews don't want to hear it. The Romans don't want to hear it. And I don't have any tools really to do it. Like the deck is kind of stacked against me. But yet he still fights through that to make this happen. Um, when, I, when I picked up 28, uh, this is going to sound goofy, Lance, but the first thing that stuck out to me were the pronouns. Mm. And what do I mean by that? Well, I mean that this is, this is you, typically when, Paul, when you're learning about Paul, Paul is writing a letter and it's Paul talking in the first person about himself. But this is Luke writing about Paul. Mm -hmm. And I kind of forget that sometimes when I write, when I read Acts, that Luke is not only the narrator, but Luke is actually part of the story, right? He says in, the, in 28 here, he says, now when they had escaped and they then found out the island was called Malta. And then he goes on to say, the natives showed us unusual kindness. And you realize Luke's actually part of the story. He's actually there. He's on the island with Paul. And to me, I kind of forget that because it starts back in, you know, chapter 20 or even before then that Luke is part of the journey. So I, I think it's kind of, it's cool to remember that, that yeah. this isn't Paul just on his own. And it's yeah. kind of nice to have a doctor with you when you're getting beat up all the time. Right? <laughs> the Lord knew that he would need a doctor. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there was, uh, I did a little bit of research on that. I'm a, I'm a little bit of a, a geek when it comes to the unknown things in scripture. I'm like, where was Luke? Um, and uh, a lot of scholars agree that when Paul was being held in Caesarea that he was nearby, but he wasn't interacting. And there was really um, limited things that were happening in those two years that were worthy of being uh, pinned down. Uh, but yeah, he, he, is, he is back. Um, and so the, the um, questions, I don't know, did you guys get the questions? I did, I did. Questions over here. For you that are online, again, um, one of the, the things we're trying to do with our church is to, is to get them talking about, um, about the scriptures. And then, as I said a few minutes ago, learning to um, apply them into uh, to, to, to their life. Um, I found it interesting when I was studying chapter 27 and I saw Paul. Um, I just, in my mind, I was visioning or trying to envision how many prisoners are with Paul. Well, that doesn't tell you. Um, but it's plural. So he's one of many prisoners, and they are assigned a guard. I mean, this is, uh, this is serious. When, um, um, when, this, when, when, it, when it becomes, you know, 
clear that this this ship is in danger and 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 they hit the various storms that they do two of them well one that probably got worse as they traveled southward um, I began to think I know I know in the in the mind of these Roman guards that's their job the prisoner gets away their life's done and so um, it, it's not that Paul was this you know recognized um, evangelist church planter big wig for the kingdom of God guy that all of a sudden stood up and goes hey man I've got a word from the Lord it was a prisoner and and it, it, it just begs the question and that's why I started looking at the character what would I mean I already know we already know that Paul's bold he, he, there's no problem of him standing up anywhere but to gain a platform in a very intense, life-threatening setting and people would listen to you, something had to have been observed about his character for, for them to, to listen up, to stop what they're doing and listen up. And so, you know, as we get into this, we might bring up some of these, um, these traits that stood out, some of the things that I highlighted um, in the narrative. Um, but one of the questions I had here is what are some of the qualities that Paul displayed uh, when he initially spoke up? And then, you know, how can we apply that to our life? So anything stand out to you guys? I mean, I think for me, the first thing is just calm under pressure, right? We've all been in tough situations, maybe even life-threatening situations, and somebody that can keep their head about them when everyone else is losing theirs, that's a person that people tend to look to for guidance and for leadership. And Paul was clearly that guy. Things I'm, I would guess are pretty chaotic in this environment. And Paul's the guy that he's, he's got that calmness about him. And he's able to, that allows him to evaluate information, make logical decisions, and people are attracted to that. One of my, one of my favorite verses is in Hebrews, Hebrews 12, 11. And it talks about uh, really the chastening and how we, how we handle that and how we're trained up in it. Mm. And I can just, each time Paul is tested, he's, he's tried and tried and tried. Yeah. And he is, he is no doubt just keep putting, keep, keeping, having like these oppositions. And so how do we, oh, all right. I got this one. I got this one. Yeah. You, and so. You know, think logically if Paul would have, so this would be his fourth shipwreck. So guaranteed if he didn't learn that God is with you in a shipwreck. He would have probably appealed to Caesar and went, wait a minute, do I have to get on a ship to go there? Yeah. <laughs> I take back <laughs> been, that. Been there, done that. Yeah, I don't need to do that Take back the again. request. But that's, that's, that's a great scripture to, to tie in there. Um, well, and I think that it jumps back to just why he had the courage. He had the courage because he knew the anchor. He knew the rock. Mm -hmm. And so if if we really do understand and know who the rock is, if we really do understand who is with us, then why should we be afraid? If he is with us, then who can be against us, yeah. right? And Paul really, he really practiced that. Well, he, he writes this down later. I wrote this down from Second uh, <clears throat> Timothy 1, 7 through 9. He says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind, right? So here, Paul is now passing on these things because he wrote the book of 2 Timothy obviously way after this had happened and he's passing these things on to Timothy saying, hey, listen, this is how this went down and this is what I learned and you can learn you know, from my experiences. 
that's what a good a good teacher and a good leader does. Yeah, I like the reference when um, uh, in chapter 27, where, when he's urging them, you know, uh, it's just not going well. They're trying to lighten the ship. Um, I've joked about it, but I have I have uh, I have sunk my sailboat on two separate occasions <laughs> in small craft morning. I'm like I know what it's like to say, hey, this isn't going real well, but uh, here we are, we're alive. But uh, for him, he was saying as as just a guy who was obviously gaining the trust of others. And for you that are listening, you know, um, if you desire to be um, the kind of leader that God makes, I think these are some traits that we would want um, God to, to, to work into our lives. And, um, you know, along the way, I mean, Paul, he took the initiative. Somewhere he's gaining the trust of others. And I believe it was the, the calm uh, demeanor that he had, um, but then again, I brought out the, the fact, and I think maybe you're alluding to this, that there was this, well, we all are, there was this strong confidence in God. And that, at times, is, is a learned, um, it's something we learn. Um, it's not like we read about it, I got it, I'm confident in God. I'm supposed to be confident in God, so I'm confident in God. I think we, we actually, it becomes part of us. Um, and we become confident in God by going through something where we have, ran to him, depended on him, and he has brought us through, and it has garnered our confidence in him. It has built confidence in him. And so in verse um, 23, 22 of chapter 27, he's like, hey, I'm now, you guys, you guys should have listened to me <laughs> when we were hiding out there in Crete, but we've moved forward, we've hit a typhoon, it's not looking good. But, and that was a good firm warning that was needed. Um, you, should have, you should have listened to me <clears throat> and have not sailed to Crete as I had warned. And now I urge you to take heart. And so I think a good leader that takes the initiative and has gained the trust of others is going to be able to give some, some rebuke, if you will, or um, you know, warn, uh, uh, some strong warning. But at the same time, he's showing that he cares about him and that, that, that he even cares about, you know, the ship, if you will. But the thing he says, take, uh, in verse 22, and, and now I urge you to take heart. There's not going to be any loss of life. So just a, a, a good leader is going to be good at encouraging people. But why? For there stood before me, in verse 23, this night, an angel of God to whom I belong and to whom I serve, saying... Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you. And I brought out the point that I believe that that's, that was the glue that held all of this together. It was, he, he, even the way he talks, you're like, that guy really knows he's God's. <laughs> His identity is completely secure in the fact that he is a child of God. And then the other thing is, is he's quoting a promise that Jesus gave him two years earlier when he was in Caesarea in the prison cells, we all know. Paul was bummed out and he's like, hey, don't, don't, don't be bummed out. You've been faithful here. You're, you're going to continue to be a faithful witness to me all the way into Rome. And so he, he's, he's reminded of that. That's what's in his heart. That's what comes out. 
And a godly leader will stand up in the confidence of their God in, in that moment. And that's, what, that's why they're calm. You know, to, to, to be confident in God, you know, it was it Ephesians 6, it says, stand strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And that phrase in the Greek, it's in the, the passive present tense. It means to stand in his strength. It means I'm passive in standing in mine. And, and so that's what he learned to do. And that's when he says that, that's what he's like, hey, stand in, in the strength of the Lord. And of course, that is only going to be the result of us having a relationship with him and knowing him and having uh, daily conversation with him and learning how to walk with him. Um, but that's why he's able to stand there and tell others, don't freak out. I'm so sure of who owns me and so sure of who I serve and the one that owns me and the one that I serve that says, I'm going to make it to Rome. Stay close to me. <laughs> Wherever I am, stay close. Well, and it's not an analogy for him to say, we're all in this ship together. It's like, we li we're literally all in this same boat right now at the same time. Like whatever happens to me is going to happen to everybody. So it's not, it's not an analogy. It's a reality for these guys. Yeah, even to the point when, when part of the, the sailors are like, let's go pretend we're checking on the anchor, and they jump in the, the skiff, the dinghy, and they're like, we're out of here. Paul's like, ah, 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 don't do that. You need to get back in the boat or you're done. I mean, that's, that's some serious faith to believe that, that, that God is going to bring all 276 of us safely to shore when you can't even see the sun in the middle of the day. And for the seasoned sailors to believe the prisoner. <laughs> exactly. Men that probably heard of this Jesus but had no belief in him as they're riding around in a, a ship with Zeus's yeah. son. Yeah, Pastor right? and Pollux on the front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm on, the, I'm on the pagan ship with a bunch of pagans. And, <laughs> and this, God. This Jesus guy is telling me to, hey, <laughs> stick around. It says it all, huh? Well, they get, they get over to... Um, the Isle of Malta, they'll be there for three months actually, but um, a couple of things happen there. When they first get there, we talk about um, the natives are, 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 you know, showing us, you know, when they had all escaped, they found out that the island was called Malta and the natives showed them unusual kindness and they were, they were kindling a fire to make them welcome and it was raining, it was cold, but then the next thing we see in verse three is like Paul jumping in. And I highlighted that because um, I felt, again, it's another series of, of things that we're going to observe that's going to, well, Paul's going to have favor. And what, what we need to think, what is it that, that Paul displayed that gained the favor of God? So what stands out to you guys? The first thing that stood out to me is here's a guy that's been on a ship for 14 days that just got shipwrecked. He's probably soaking wet. He comes up, they make a fire for him, and he's the one gathering the wood, right? He's out, he's not just sitting there being served, he's still serving even in the midst of a mess, like a complete mess. And he's the one that's, hey, hey, I'm, I'm gonna go, I'll gather some sticks to help put some wood on the fire. I, I, that was the first thing that stood out to me. Yeah, for sure, no, and that's, and that's, you said it, you said it, but, 
the leader the leaders serve and if if we are to lead if we are going to be um, one that's looked upon then we need to be willing to to grab the sticks and and start helping or do the work ultimately what is it for the people listening out there that are like yeah i hear this 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 idea of serving people and even in mark 11 35 the gospel hones in on jesus as a servant it's a mark's whole god his his gospel was written to gentiles with gentiles in mind and the gentile world was somewhat moved when someone showed preference to you it just it was part of the the known uh behavior or or um mindset of of the gentile world a lot of the gentile world in that day and so many scholars believe that 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 mark presents jesus as a servant in order for them to be more open to what he is saying about jesus as the christ um, and then the Mark 11:35 is that he came not to be served, but to serve and give a life a ransom for many. Someone could be sitting out there going, what's the big deal of being a servant? Well, I mean, practically maybe, let's break that down. What, what is it that you think happens? How does God use that um, role of us being a servant to others to, to advance his cause? I, mean, I think <clears throat> at its foundation, you're putting other people before yourself. And let's face it, it's not in our, our nature to help other people. Like you don't have to, you don't have to teach a two-year-old to say mine. They, right. they understand right. very well how to say that. You, it's against their nature to share. It's against their nature to serve. Uh, it's against all of our nature to serve other people before uh, ourselves. And so I think when you do that, you're, you're making a very conscious uh, choice and demonstration to the person that you're serving. Like, hey, I'm, I'm choosing you over me. Right. Jesus said that the people will know that we are his disciples by a couple of things. One, by following his commandments, but another by our love. And um, I think if you really break that down, motive behind what we do is important. Um, as believers, we've been, this isn't a, a legal relationship we have. It's a loving relationship. And so, as Paul would talk, the church in Corinth, the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts. It's part of the new nature. It's a gift of the Spirit. And what, what a unique way to show people we love them than to give them preference. Some of the best marriage advice I was ever given was outserve your spouse, right? Outserve your wife with no expectation of reciprocity. You just you serve each other, and that, may, that makes your, your marriage work. So Paul, of course, uh, a couple things happened there initially. Um, he's serving, and then uh, a viper strikes him. <laughs> and uh, he's sitting there with a viper hanging off his hand, and the natives are like, I'm sure they're looking, if they had a sundial, they're looking, he's got about yeah. three minutes. Yeah, he's done. He's, done, he's man. done. They're waiting for him to swell up and, uh, and, and, and fall over. And uh, of course, uh, they felt the, you know, in the pagan minds, these guys were of Phoenician descent. So they were idolatrous and they had, uh, they had their own man-made gods. And, and the, the idea behind most um, uh, pagan gods, if you were following them, was to appease them. 
You feared them. So if anything didn't line up in your life, it was a result of you not appeasing your God. And so the fact that these guys came in from a shipwreck, they were already going, these guys did something wrong. The gods are not in their favor. The gods are against them. Nope. The ship didn't take him down. He must yeah. be a murderer. Because this way he's definitely yeah. getting what he deserves. That's, and isn't that just how shallow people who just look at outward circumstances are? They just kind of read the circumstances and make an assessment. It's just kind of how it is in society, isn't it? The, the karma. The karma of the, <laughs> the world. The karma of the world. You know? and yeah. But, um, but God was doing something. God was um, obviously allowing all of this, and um, maybe these Phoenicians whose uh, gods don't exist and are powerless to heal and needed to see a man who knew a god and was confident in God to not only bring them safely to shore, all 276, what's the chances of that? I'm sure yeah. they're like, seen a few shipwrecks, man, never seen yeah, them all yeah. make it in. Yeah. <laughs> but, but now, he doesn't die, and it it really changed their view of him. Yeah, it, show, it showed them that God's power is not limited, and and that's one point that I think you hit on Sunday was Satan is Satan is limited, and their their gods their is limited to whatever they want to believe. It's limited to, but God is not. And, and that's what I think was just super cool. And from Snake to these next few pieces that we're going to get to, God's not limited. And he's going to continue to carry Paul through, continue to carry these guys through. So his, his name can be made, made great. I think there's something, guys, to... Faithfulness is huge. People, they respect a faithful husband faithful spouse, faithful parent, um, anybody in a career that's been faithful, people respect that. But faithfulness is, um, it really begins to impact people when they see the consistency of that. And I, I, as I was going through this, I thought, what if I was one of those guys on that, on that ship for the last 14 days and I just watched, what, would, what will I have seen over and over at this one guy? He steps up and he keeps showing his confidence in his God. He just, that's just what, that's just what he does. And now everyone's watching this. They made the fire for all of them. And now he, and I'm sure even some of the, maybe some of the sailors or, you know, the prisoners like, he's not going to freak out, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but this was the, uh, the first time, you know, the natives saw him, and um, obviously uh, it, it, it changed their view of him. And then it goes right into this, this story of, of this man by the name of Publius, I think it is. Yeah, Publius, who a lot believe is the, uh, the governor. And it's like there's just favor. And for the next few days, his house is opened up to them, and, and um, it says that they, enter, they were entertained courteously. I like that phrase for three days. But there was more to that than just God saying, hey, let's, let's get you in a nice warm environment and get you cleaned up. Um, there was a miracle that was about to, to take place. Anybody want to weigh in on that? His, his father-in-law, or no, his father, I think, was sick. 
couple weeks back, we had our, our um, men's stake and study, and, and Barry, Barry came over, and he talked about it. And I, and I, I don't know if it was you or, or it was him, but he, someone said that whoever was in front of Jesus was the most important person at that time. Yeah, Barry said that. And looking through Paul's ministry, that was exactly the, the case. And whoever was in front of him was the most important, the sailors, to just making the fire. Whoever was around him to Publius and, okay, you're the most important person to me because you need to know about Jesus and you need to know that he is for me because I love him and I have given that to him and I want you to know about him. And so that, that whoever, is, whoever is in front of Paul, whoever was in front of Jesus was the most important person. It was just, it's just an unreal thing to think through. Dang, like, how am I living that? How are you living that as a believer? How are you living the truth that God has put them in front of you? That's convicting, yeah. <laughs> that, that phrase when you think about it, isn't it? Yeah. Man, you've got to get it past a whole lot of Lance each day. To, to, to get there. <laughs> <clears throat> so uh, it says that... Uh, yeah, so the, the miracle happens. Paul, again, I, I, I kept bringing up the fact that he just, a godly leader is just going to step up. Um, he went into the guy, and uh, he, he, he prayed with him, laid hands on him. And I talked about how it just showed again that this is, this is something God was doing. Um, and then um, I talked about how on Sunday morning as well that that this, even for seasoned saints, can become a bit of a challenge because we're, we're in such a fast, got to get it done pace living in SoCal as Christians that, that oftentimes we, we, we don't want our, we, don't wanna, we wanna be pulled out of our comfort zone. We don't want our, our, our day to be disrupted. Uh, but most of these times, and I gave a, an example or two in my own personal life that no matter how long I've been available to the Lord, it, it, it stretches my faith. It stretches our faith. And you might even see it as an opportunity. God's setting it up right now, but, but i got to step out of my comfort zone again, and, and I have to work through the what-ifs. But the more I find myself, and I'm speaking for myself, available to that, the more um, it seems God is, 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 is doing that. These unique things are happening. How about with you guys? I think it's hard, Lance. <laughs> it's really hard, especially here. I mean, you know, for a guy with four young kids, and this is probably a lot of people online can relate to this. Your kids have about 5,000 different things going on, and they got to be in three different places at the same time. And even between my wife and I, it makes it really, really tough. And so to, to set that aside, to, to, to make that selfless decision to say, I'm going to have to set that aside and disrupt my day, as you said, in order to follow God's will, it's not easy. That's something that is, um, is, is not in our nature at all to do. Yeah. And that's been my hardest part going through Acts is, is that conviction of getting over the, the Trevor in my life. And so many times have I, have I not done that. 
and um, and so. Yeah, I gave an example earlier on in the Book of Acts of uh, it was a it was a I was teaching on a Sunday, and the previous Saturday, I was riding up a steep hill on my bike, and I was just winded. I didn't want to admit that to the church, but I was winded. <laughs> <laughs> and there was some guy, and you know, it was one of those. He stopped, and he's kind of like, and and as I got to the top of the hill, the Lord's like pressed it on my heart to go back and ask the dude how he's doing, you know, and, and you know, and, and I just, I was already over the other side of the hill going down. I'm like, hey man, if, if you line me up with that guy again, I'll, I'll, I'll do it the next time. <laughs> the next time, not this time. Yeah. And um, sure enough, I, I laughed because maybe three weeks later there, he, I was flying down here and there he was, but he was kind of, he looked okay. <laughs> and I flew right past him <laughs> and the Lord's like, I reminded you the first, I, I just, that, that just that conviction. I don't know what God has in mind. And and so I went back, and the guy wasn't around. But um, it is, it is, I think we all struggle with our flesh when it comes to, to these things. But, but the, the, the important thing is to be obedient. When God speaks to our heart, if you want that voice to become more familiar uh, and more effective, heed it. Heed it. Practice it. Practice it, and it will, it won't be easier but it'll be easier, if that makes any sense. It'll, you'll still have that tug to not, but you will have a little bit of that, okay, I have a serpent on my hand, I can still keep going. Mm -hmm. let's, let's, let's get this guy off, God said I'm going to Rome. I made right? that really profound statement Sunday morning. <laughs> Listen, God's not done with you until he's done with you. Yeah. <laughs> but it's true. I think you also made the profound statement that you hate snakes, which I, I, hate have, snakes. To, I have to agree with that one as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Sorry if you're online and you're a snake lover. Paul finally makes it to Rome. Um, in verse uh, 16, they, uh, they, they uh, end up at what we would see as modern-day Naples, about 140 miles if they walked from Naples, which they would to um, Rome. And... Um, you know, he had longed to, to see them. I, I even gave some scriptures out of the Book of Romans, a letter that he had previously written and was in circulation. And, and you can just tell, he just, he couldn't wait to see him. He's finally there, and as he's, you know, making his journey, we, we saw some of the, the people coming out to greet him. And, um, and he was encouraged, it says. He thanked, he thanked God. Um, and as, as he should have, and I believe did, because... You know, the Lord on two separate occasions was like, "You're going to go, you're going to, you're going to make it to Rome," and there, there he was. What stood out to you guys when I, you finally made it there? I, I think what stood out to me was that he was, he was stoked that his letter got there, right? This isn't, this isn't um, a blog post that you get a, a thousand people that immediately respond to it when you put it up, telling you, "Hey, I really appreciate what you you did for me with this letter that you wrote to the Romans." This is a letter that he wrote years prior and has been in circulation, and he hasn't seen the fruits of that yet, not from that area. And so he's coming and here these people are like, hey man, I got your letter, I appreciate it. Like, I, so I think he's, he's excited for that um, to start. I think the other thing that stood out to me was thinking about, when you think about influential men in this world, Paul's at the top of the list. I mean, like, when you look at the entire world, the influence of people, and here he enters Rome as a prisoner. He enters Rome in shackles, oh, yeah, right? And you think about all the other Caesars, all the other emperors who have probably, remember that movie Aladdin? 
right, where he, he wishes he can become a prince and he's got this massive entourage. That's how I see like the Caesars and the emperors coming into Rome, but not Paul. Paul's coming in in chains. Yet he ends up becoming arguably maybe the most influential human being, right, on the planet. For the gospel's sake, absolutely so. I don't, I don't think there's a close second. He's up there. But um, as, he, as he gets there, he, he has a few days to kind of, the favor of God is, is just all upon this part of his, uh, all, all over this part of the narrative. But um, all the prisoners seem to be taken one, one direction. Paul is uh, uniquely placed in his own, what we would say, house arrest arrangement with a guard um, assigned to him, which would be a guard that would change probably four times to six times a day. Um, and then they gave him one, one day a week to have visitors, at least initially, and probably um, more after that. But on that, on that first day, it, it, it says that he, he, he has the leaders of the synagogues of Rome come and sit down with him. And um, I, I even looked at old notes, and I just kind of glazed right over that and, and really didn't. But this last week, I was looking at that, and I thought, hmm, was, was this his choice, their choice, all of their choice? Whatever it was, I don't know. But I really looked at and I broke down the why. Why did he want to talk to them? And I think it help, helps us understand the um, political climate, um, socially, just how the Jews um, really, really despise Paul. Um, when, he, when he gets them together, to paraphrase it because we're running short on time, um, the three things that he brings out, one, um, I think at the top of the list, he wanted them to know that, um, hey, I'm not here to make some kind of indictment against Judaism or against the, the nation of Israel. And and, and Paul was always good. You go through his epistles, and before he really gives it to you, <laughs> the, the, the correction, he, he diffuses you. He builds you up, and he says some things that you need to hear that will just allow you to receive what he has to say. And I think he's doing that uh, when he gathers these guys together, and he, he, uh, he lets them know, I'm not, I'm not here to make an indictment against you guys. And, and then he, he, he lets them know, I'm here to clear my name. And... If he really were to break it down to them, he would say, hey, just so you guys know, my countrymen, guys like you, heads of synagogues and the heads of Judaism all the way up to the high priest, most of them want me dead. <laughs> and they've done everything to completely destroy my life and my ministry. He didn't say that. As true as that was. I think it's important, and maybe we could speak to our audience desires to be a witness. I've been using this phrase with some of our leaders, learn to read the room. <laughs> know your audience. And, and there's, a, there's a time and a way to present truth. And we need to be prayerful and discerning and wise in this day and age as we are presenting what we believe to people. There's, there's maybe a long list of things we can call out, grievances that we might have with today's secular audience, people that disagree with us or oppose us. But a wise leader will be patient and will, will 
say things to earn the respect in the ear, if you will, of, of the audience. And I believe that he did that. And then his goal was to get more meetings with them. And so he, he didn't just leave them um, unclear as to what it was all about. He's like, it's not about me making an indictment against Israel. It's about me clearing my name. And it's about me talking about the hope of Israel. And I made that point that each time Paul brings that phrase up in the book of Acts and his audience is a Jew or Jews, it's in reference to the Messiah. And then he always gives scriptural background to that. And the next time that they meet, that's exactly what he does. Anybody want to comment on that? I mean, on the truth, on the truth aspect, um, there's an American author, Thomas Sowell, an economist, Thomas Sowell, and he says, when you want to help somebody, you tell them the truth. When you want to help yourself, you tell them what they want to hear. And I think that's what Paul's doing here is Paul's like, look, I, I actually, I have to tell you the truth. I have to tell you about the hope of Israel. I have to tell you that all of the scripture that you guys know just as well as I do, because you're one of, I'm one of you, it all points at the same at the same place. It all points at the same man. It all points at the same Messiah. Um, and that's why he's, he's pushing that with them. And I think the other thing to remember, and maybe this, the folks online can appreciate this, is God's always working on both sides of a conversation, right? It's not, he's not just working with you. He's also working on the recipient. If you're trying to push uh, truth to them, God's helping their, soften their heart and helping them to receive it. And so I think for me personally, that gives me confidence when I'm talking, especially like Paul was, this is a hostile crowd. These aren't people who, who like him necessarily. And he, he has that additional confidence because he knows God's working on the other side of that conversation as well. Great insight there. Trev? I don't think I want to jump on that. I think that's clean. <laughs> that's clean. That was clean. That was clean. That, hey. That quote again. Oh, Thomas Sowell. He just Thomas says, if, if, you want to, uh, if you want to help somebody, you tell them the truth. If you want to help yourself, you tell them what they want to hear. Um, and that's, uh, yeah, I, I just think it's, I think it's fantastic. Well, it's obvious that uh, he gave them the truth. Um, he talked about the salvation. Uh, he talked about the hope of Israel. And he let them know as he saw some of them hardening their hearts and rejecting it. Some believed. Others didn't. Um, all right. God's message is also for the Gentiles. And um, we didn't get into that, but that would have inflamed a lot of those guys. Uh, they they, they uh, did not like or desire to associate with Gentiles, and they didn't believe that their plan, um, the plan of redemption, God's plan of redemption was for the Gentiles. But um, Paul knew it was. It was founded in God's word, and God had put it in his heart. It was part of his mission that he received when Ananias came to him in Acts chapter 9. Um, and, uh, and then he also warned them in, in verse 26 about what God's word says when or about people that are hardening their hearts or becoming dull to who God is and the truth of uh, his, his word. So, um, wow. We, we nailed two chapters. We've got two minutes, and we have two guys that need to close us out. And just final comments. 
Want it first? Yeah, I'll go for it. Right. I just think um, <clears throat> what sticks out to me here at the end is, is kind of how abruptly the book ends. It just kind of, like yeah. Luke's a detailed guy, right? He's plowing through details, but at the end he just kind of says, oh yeah, and then Paul sent, you know, stayed here in Rome for two years, he rented a house, everyone came to him, and he, he talked to all these folks. If you fast forward a couple hundred years in history, it made a huge impact, right? You go to Diocletian and, you know, three, 300 AD, he comes in and it's, he's trying to dismantle the Christians, which the only reason he's trying to dismantle it is because Paul's ministry has grown so big over the next two millennia that it's, uh, the impact is, is staggering. So I wish, I really wish Luke had the time to, instead of just wrapping that up in two quick verses, to write another two or three books to lay out all the details for us. What was going on until Paul was taken home? I think my encouragement would just be... Um, to expect to be exercised in your faith. Expect it. It's going to happen in this world. It's going to happen day to day. Um, as, as we can just see Paul do that on the day to day, just exciting. And even back to, to, to Jesus being tempted in the wilderness, he exercised his faith in the Father. He had the opportunity, Paul had the opportunity, we have the opportunity to, to go to the other side. But as believers, let's, let's rest on the Lord, let's rest on the rock, and let's exercise the faith of, of Jesus. Amen to that. I like the fact that um, we have some insight as to what Paul did. We have the prison epistles. Um, the Philippians, Ephesians, Colossians, and Philemon that he wrote in that two-year uh, period of time. And I think that's a word of encouragement to all of us that no matter how dark, dire our circumstances might be, how held back we might feel at times, God's word never is. So it's got to get out. We've been doing that for 30 years around here, and I'm blown away at how faithful God is with his... Um, his word. So um, usually we have one guy close out with, if there's someone listening online that doesn't know Christ, uh, we have one guy let them know how they can know Christ and lead them in the prayer. Why don't one of you explain what someone must do in order to receive Christ and then one of you lead in prayer and then I'm going to leave you guys alone and and you're going to tell the audience when you're all done, night, night. I love you guys. They got it from here. You can go first, Trevor, and I'll finish up. If we look to um, Romans, the next, the next book in the Bible, um, in, in 3.23 it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the key thing there is all of us, myself included, Paul, we've all fallen short. And the reality is that we need a savior because we can't fix it on our own. And then if we look at uh, 6.23, it says, for the wages of sin is death. But it is a gift of God, but the gift of God is eternal life in our Lord Jesus Christ. And so because Jesus came and died for our sin and not only stayed dead, but he rose, we can have life eternal. And so what's our, what's our role in that? Our role in that is, is to confess with our mouth 
and believe in our heart. And I think that's the big piece, right? We can say something, but as, as it's been demonstrated, we need to believe in our heart. And like we were saying, that's not, a, that's not an easy or believe it, done. It's going to be a daily thing of faith and faith. And it, it builds. And so um, if that is you, I would encourage you to, um, to, 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 to think that through. And is, is, there a, is there a draw? Do you feel that prickle in your heart to say, you know what? I am a sinner and I do need someone to save me. Because he said, hey, I will and I'm ready. And so um, if that is you, in your own words, really, you, don't, you, can, you can say it. So, well stated. Well stated. We'll just uh, we'll pray it out. Pray it out. <clears throat> All right, uh, dear Heavenly Father, we're just uh, we're so thankful for tonight. So thankful for the opportunity uh, to discuss Your Word, to open Your Word, and talk amongst ourselves. Um, we're reminded, Lord, of who You are—the <clears throat> spaceless and timeless, uh, immaterial Creator of everything that ever was, everything that is, and everything that ever will be. And we're just we're humbled to come before You, Lord, to talk to You and. Um, like Trevor said, Lord, we, we don't want to conform to this world. We don't want to be of this world. We want to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, the renewing of our hearts, to focus on you, to focus on your son, um, and, to, and to lead our lives accordingly. And so we just ask that you continue to look over us uh, and bless us in the, in the days and weeks to come. And uh, we look forward to, uh, to continuing to worship you. And uh, all this in your son's name, we pray. Amen. If that was you, tell somebody. <laughs> all right, man. All right. Thank you. <clears throat> Good chat, bud.